Okay, quiet on the set, everybody. Stand by. Roll camera. Speed. Roll sound. Speed. Market. And cue talent. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Art Aldridge, and this week in production, I ask myself, how do I stay motivated? As you may or may not have realized, there was no This Week in Production last week. This week was off. Not intentionally. I had intended to record. My head just was not in the podcast last week. I've been going through some personal and professional things um, over the past few weeks. A lot of chaos and turmoil. Nothing, you know, catastrophic. I mean, I had a tree fall on my house on Christmas Eve and I'm still dealing with the uh, insurance company not calling me back and the uh, town I live in not issuing permits to have the tree removed and I've just got a lot of mess and chaos. I've got uh, video clients who don't call me back, who can't give me information, who don't have any answers, waiting on you know, feedback, and all of it really just turned into a mental meltdown for me. But last week, it just, everything was getting me in a, in a way that I wasn't really thinking clearly. I wasn't happy with myself, wasn't happy with where things were. I'm dealing with my, my aging parents, not being able to completely take care of themselves, having to give extra attention for that. And that's that's very depressing on its own. I mean, they're not sick and they're not in the hospital. And I know things um, could certainly be worse given the uh, current situation with the COVID. So it's not like that. But just seeing your parents, you know, getting to a point where they're not the humans that they were in your mind is is hard and then combined with all the work stuff and just the the lack of information i am not good i am not a person who's good with sitting still i need to always be making forward progress and when i can't move because i'm waiting for information waiting for things to happen it's it's uh, mentally draining for me so i sat in front of the microphone last week intending to record and I just was not happy with where it was going. It wasn't going anywhere good and anywhere interesting. I mean, there is a burden when you are self-employed of being there, productive, active, self-motivated every day because you have to basically put the food on the table. And that's a pressure I feel, and I don't take it lightly, but um, it's there, right? That pressure is there. And I've never, ever had a problem being a self-starter or motivating myself but last week didn't have it so I'm not sure what that really was about uh, things have seemed to get back to normal this week uh, getting my generator my uh, whole house generator put in so I can keep my studio running uh, day and night in in a storm or whatever for you know whatever purposes I need live streaming or things like that that's finally happening after six and a half months. There is some light at the end of the tunnel with Iditarod. With Iditarod, some things are coming into focus. 
things don't seem as uh, as tense as they were. We're getting some answers. This week, I'm experimenting with action cameras. I've been using some action cameras at the Iditarod for many, many years now. I, I sort of invented an approach to live stream the finish of the race, which takes about a week for all the participants to pass under the burled arch in Nome. And, you know, way back when I started working on this project, maybe seven years ago, there was no budget for a crew to be out there. They didn't have any budget for um, robotics or any sophisticated kind of equipment, but we needed a way to stream 24-7 because the finishers come in at all hours of the day and night. How do we show that to the fans who are paying to see everyone finish? And it may surprise you or not that with the Iditarod fans, they're fans of the dog teams and the mushers, and their musher might finish last, but they want to see their musher finish. So it was very important for the Iditarod to, to come up with something, and I was assigned that task. I thought about it for a while, and what I had come up with was taking two GoPros. Back at that point, it was probably the Hero 3, and basically taking the HDMI out, feeding them in a power source, taking the HDMIs out, converting them to... SDI with a little uh, AJA box, and then running a, uh, a coax SDI cable, two of them for each camera, one pointing forward at the chute and one pointing backwards towards the end of the chute. So you could basically see the whole dog team and see the musher taking care of his dogs because the dog, the dog team is long when you have, you know, 14 dogs on the sled, it's, um, I don't know, maybe it's 12, 15 feet long. So one camera wouldn't be enough. You would miss some of the action. So we came up with a way to do two cameras, one looking forward, one looking backward, right under the arch. And you'd see the front of the team, you'd see the back of the team, you'd see the musher, you'd get audio off the, uh, the GoPro itself. Plus there was a, a PA microphone that we would be able to tap into. And so I would run these feeds 300 and you know some odd feet from the end of the arch into the control room at the Nome Alaska City Hall. And we would bring the cables in and I would feed them into two capture cards. I would bring them into Wirecast. I'd create a split, a double box split and the cameras would basically be streamed live 24-7 after the winner finished because the winner gets a whole show with multiple cameras and talent. And it's a big hurrah, big crowds normally, not this year. But normally it's a big celebration, so that gets its own little show. And then everyone else in the past would just get a little coverage with like an ENG camera. But some people wanted to see it live, so that's why... They wanted to come up with a solution. So that solution was great. Fans loved it. We actually invented um, sort of a new way to enjoy the race for the fans. We put a chat room on the live finish page, and people would literally be in that chat room 24 hours a day just chatting, 
talking about anything that was happening in Nome in the preview of the cameras. So you'd see the uh, the drunk people walking around, puking in the snow. You would see people coming up and talking to the camera in um, maybe an inebriated state, maybe not. It was just a, a circus, <laughs> but it was popular. And it worked well, except for the fact that sometimes we would have issues with the GoPros. GoPros are great, but it's really finicky certain times. And, and being that you're plugging in cables and the cables get super brittle in the cold weather, uh, it wasn't always the best way to do it. And I always thought if we had budget and we had time and the money, what could we do? And of course, there's lots of ways to, to approach it. I thought about doing robotics. I thought about doing, you know, a better quality camera with a real connector like a BNC or fiber. But of course, the money and the time never really materialized. And over the years, I've used better GoPros. I've used fours. I've used fives, sixes, sevens. Ladies and gentlemen, I was just interrupted while recording this week in production by the generator installation people. They are dropping off the generator for the installation tomorrow. Hooray! And now back to our program. So the problem with the live streaming setup in GNOME for the finish is that the cabling required to power the arch, power the GoPros, power the little chassis, and then get the video back into City Hall requires the assistance of the GNOME Public Works Department and their bucket truck. That's a little bit like waiting on the federal government to give you a COVID shot. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it will happen at some point, And you have to be ready when they say go. So that part of it's difficult. And then it really manifests itself when you're trying to get out of Nome. At the end of the race, you want to get home because you've been out in the Alaska wilderness for six weeks. And you need to wait on the the city of Nome to come and take your wires down, coil it up, pack everything up. So that approach has always been um, with an asterisk. So when the Hero 7s first were announced, they had a feature which I thought maybe would be useful for this situation. And that feature was the ability to stream from the camera wirelessly to an RTMP RTMP server. I said, wow, that sounds exactly like what we need. And of course, the problem with GoPro, if you've ever used a GoPro, is that nothing ever works right the first time. It takes them a few revisions to get it. So we, we tried it here. I was testing it with the sevens. It would basically die after the first minute or two. And then you had to do this complicated process to restart it. It wasn't ideal. So we didn't do that for um, the finish. And I revisited it again last year. And the software seemed more mature. It didn't die. But I, I wasn't 
convinced that we weren't going to be able to run the cameras without the cabling. And, and, you know, once you don't have the cabling, you're all in on the wireless. And if it doesn't work, boy, the fans get upset. and They'll let you know it. So no one wanted to really sign off on that. So this year, I have new GoPro 8s. And the GoPro 8 is like a mixed blessing because it now has the ability to do 1080p RTMP streaming as opposed to the 7, which could only do 720p. So, okay, we've doubled the res. And if it's stable, like the the latest firmware in the 7 was, then maybe it would work even better. So I've been testing that. There is something new in the GoPro 8s, even for the 7s, if you can believe this. GoPro Labs, which, you know, not sure exactly what that means, but GoPro Labs has firmware for the GoPro going back to the 7, the 8, the 9, that will let you do new and sort of geeky things with the cameras that are not necessarily in the normal firmware. For me, what that means is that the GoPro 8s that I have can read a QR code and you can change the programming of the camera with the QR code. So I experimented with it and it actually works pretty well. You can set a QR code, for example, to baseline all of the camera settings to the mode, the resolution, the frame rate, whatever. So you go onto the GoPro website, you put your settings into a form, it generates a QR code. You take a, a screenshot of it or a picture on your phone, and then you hold it in front of the lens. The camera sees it with a QR reader that's built into this new firmware, and it reprograms itself. And what I'm really interested in is the ability to start live streaming based on a set of parameters in your QR code. Now, it's not all as rosy as that sounds because it's not, it's not one code and you're live streaming. It's one code to make sure the network is the right wireless network. It's one code to make sure you have the RTMP settings properly stored. And then it's a third code to actually start the stream. So it's a little tricky and you got to have all the settings right or it doesn't work and it doesn't tell you why. But I have been experimenting with it and it does seem to work. So hopefully optimistic that this year I will use the Hero 8s on the Arch wirelessly. So all I need to do is basically power them over a USB-C power injector, which is a lot less cabling than a 300-foot quad-core four-channel SDI snake, which if you've ever tried to coil in the cold, not fun, not fun. So hopeful for that, I am testing it. The first couple of passes at my experience were not good. The real trick, though, with this uh, GoPro thing is you need to have an RTMP server. And you might think, well, that's awfully complicated and, and tricky. And, and I'm not like a network IT guru. 
So I didn't even really know how to set that up or how I was going to do that. There's a software company called Garamin Apps who makes a little piece of software. It's Mac and PC, and it's basically called RTMP Server. You run it. It gives you an address based on your computer's IP. You plug that information into the GoPro, and what this little app does is it receives the RTMP push from the camera, converts it into NDI, and then spits it out to your software like Mimo or Wirecast or TriCast or whatever's on your network that can receive NDI. So I did it on one box with uh, Wirecast last year as a test, and it does see the signal. It's great, and it has up to eight channels based on obviously your network capacity. So that little app works really well. It's very simple. I think it's like 200 bucks, but if you're doing this for any professional work, well worth it. Being that I have my new investment in Intenor gear, I'm able to do something even better. My Intenor box with a software add-on called a net video input can receive the same RTMP push from the GoPro. And then what that'll do is that will put it into my router, which I can then send out to any one of my control rooms. So that gives me a lot of flexibility because I used to have to take the GoPros into a laptop on site with two capture cards or a quad card capture and a little mixer. It was a very complicated setup. And now I can basically do that without the laptop. I can do that with just the cameras and my Intenor router in uh, at the finish, and then beam that back to my control room in New York, double box it in New York, and stream it out to the world. So that's where I'm headed with that. I think it's going to work. Hopeful, still more testing. But because this is how my brain works. As a backup, I've purchased a Marshall 503 weatherproof POV camera. It's about a $450 camera, plus you need a little $20 power supply. So like $475, it's 1080p, but the benefit is that it has a 3G SDI output. So no more converters if you're thinking about HDMI on the old GoPros. Actually, it's even worse on the Hero 8s. They took the HDMI port off the camera. It only has uh, a USB-C for charging. And if you want HDMI out, you have to buy something called a Media Mod, which is like another, I don't even remember what, a hundred and something bucks. And it gives you like a microphone and it's like a cage that goes around the GoPro and it gives you the power and the HDMI out and a microphone and a couple of cold shoe slots. And not worth it in my opinion, but if you needed HDMI out on an eight, that's how you have to do it. So not ideal. That's why I think the Marshall could be the plan B or maybe it's the plan A. Maybe it's the plan A going forward. I will let you know as I progress in my testing, where this uh, leads. So things are looking up. I am out of my depression. If you are depressed, 
If you need help, if you need to talk to someone, the government has a helpline that you can call. It's 1-800-662-HELP. It's a 24-7-365 serviced hotline. If you're depressed, if you need help with any sort of mental crisis, it's run by the U.S. Department of Human Health and Services. It's a place to start if you, if you need help, if you need to talk to someone. Maybe they can help you. It's worth a shot. Don't go through it alone. With all that being said, thank you for listening. I'll speak with you again next week. Do you have something to say? Drop me an email at thisweekinproduction at gmail.com. Or even better, call our new TWIP voice mailbox and leave us a message. 601-564-TWIP. That's 601-564-8947. Also, a reminder that This Week in Production is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. So please subscribe to get every episode. Lastly, if you like what you hear, would you mind giving me a rating or a review? I'd appreciate that. Okay, that's a wrap on This Week in Production. Thanks for listening.